everybody. Welcome to the podcast. We are here wrapping up the last of, was it seven or eight? <laughs> I should seven. know this. Seven. seven. Great Christian thinkers. This is the seventh of seven. Oh, that makes sense. Seven is God's number, which is why Danny Warfel used it, of course. Um, as a shout out to all you Central Florida folks uh, from 20 years ago. Anyway, uh, um, we got Lindley here, and uh, tonight we are going to cover Carl Barth. Bart. It sounds, it's spelled Barth. But it's Bart. There's a man in my church growing up named Brother Barth, and so I will always say that. I'll probably say it wrong many more times tonight. Um, Shout out to Brother Barth. You're a great man. Anyway, uh, he's the final uh, one of our great Christian thinkers. We've gone through, you know, everybody from St. Paul to um, Thomas Aquinas and Martin Luther, Schleiermacher, and I say that word right. Tonight is Carl Barth, and, uh, and then I think Jim Baker is going to be the next one. Is that right? Uh, it's coming up. So we'll see. We'll see if we do a part nine. Um, anyway, so the way we walk through these, if you haven't heard them, is we're going to do a little bit about his history, a little bit about the ideas, and why he is considered one of the uh, foremost great Christian thinkers, and specifically of the last century. Um, and Lindley's going to tell us a little bit more about that. So let's kick it off, Lindley. Uh, you know, where is he from? What's, what's the timeline? What, what are we looking at here? So, um, so now we turn uh, to Karl Barth, the, the man who I believe, and personally believe this, rerouted Christian thought back onto the path from which it started. So we've gone full circle with a variety of different thinkers, and I think Barth brings us back to where Paul started us off. Hmm. So, so let's start with this. A hundred years ago, hundred years after the death of Schleiermacher, Karl Barth presented the world with his great theological alternative to Schleiermacher's theology. And you remember Schleiermacher, we did him in our last podcast. He was a, a Schleiermacher being a seminal figure and basically crafted some really interesting thoughts around Christianity, what it means to be a Christian, how to speak to the world and to the culture. Um, so Barth is going to respond to that in a certain sort of way. First, though, I have a couple of preliminary comments. One, I was very fortunate enough to have a professor while I was at the University of Toronto who was one of the leading Barthian scholars, uh, Professor David Dempson. And and David actually studied under Karl Barth in Switzerland. Hmm. So, uh, you know, just one step removed from, from the great man himself. Um, I also had another professor who is a BART scholar uh, at U of T, uh, Joe Mangina, who is on the advisory board of the Carl BART Society of North America. And I took a couple of classes with him. So BART's not only someone who I've read about just recently for doing this series, but someone who've actually studied his actual materials quite in depth. Now, I use the word in depth in quotes because for heaven's sakes, when we talk a little bit and we'll hear a little bit about mm-hmm. Bart, he wrote a tremendous amount. So um, there are people who've dedicated their whole lives to studying uh, Bart. Um, I did not, uh, but I have some uh, pretty good exposure to him. Karl Bart was born on May the 10th in 1886 in Basel, Switzerland. As the eldest child of Fritz Bart, a Swiss reformed minister, and Anna Katharina Bart, um, and then in 1904, Bart set out to follow in the footsteps of his father and study, start to study theology at the University of Bern. Later on, he continued his studies in Germany at the universities of Berlin, Tübingen, and Marburg. He was an extraordinary writer. Over his lifetime, he wrote over 10,000 pages. Yeesh. Yeah. Now, Bart died on the 10th, December the 10th, 1968, in his house in Bruderholz Lane in Basel. But on the evening prior, he had cheered up his lifelong friend Edward Thoyerson in a final phone conversation by saying, quote, Just don't be so down in the mouth now, not ever, for things are ruled not just in Moscow or in Washington or in Peking, 
But things are ruled even here on earth entirely from above, from heaven above, unquote. Bart began as a dedicated follower of the modern paradigm for theology, that is, following after Kant and Schleiermacher. That's the philosophy of Kant, as well as the theology of Schleiermacher. He was additionally influenced by some very famous people, now famous people, professors Arnold von Harnack and Wilhelm Hermann, while engaging in conversations with Ernst Trolch and Hermann Gunkel. After his academic training, he went on to be a pastor in the church in Soffenwil, Switzerland. And it is here that he found none of his academic training helping people in their daily lives. This knowledge meant absolutely nothing. And after reading the book on Romans, he wrote an important commentary entitled in the German, Der Romerbrief, which means the commentary on Romans, which initiated his huge theological enterprise. That is the 10,000 pages to come. <laughs> Combine this background with his great world war, with, with what the great world war of one, and a crisis had grabbed hold of Bart. He begins to conceive of theology, which later named later became known as the theology of crisis. Barth was, became a fierce opponent of liberal Christianity, and we know who started liberal Christianity, inadvertently, so to speak, and that was Schleiermacher. That's right. Right? Barth became this, uh, this opponent of liberal Christianity um, because he found it was not founded, it was not founded um, on the divine, but founded on humanity and rooted in humanity. So Bart flips things around and begins to develop a theology based on God and not humanity. This epoch-making collapse of bourgeois society and culture due to the war changed the normative institutions and traditions and authorities. And this led Bart to develop a theology of the word. And the theology of the word is critical here. And by word, we will see he means the biblical word and the living word. It was also known as dialectical theology. Dialectical theology. We call it neo-orthodoxy is another way of describing what Bart created. Neo-orthodoxy, especially as holding against rationalism, that one's attempts to know God by one's own reasoning reaches contradictory conclusions and must give way to a, to a faith that awaits God's word. So, here we have a change. This is no longer the rational mind attempting to grasp God, as we would think in terms of Kant and Schleiermacher. Instead, now, we're waiting upon the biblical witness, the Word of God, to be activated through faith. Now, here's a man learned in all these other great thinkers, and he's, he's arrived at the conclusion that they were meaningless sets of theological constructs and the only way to grasp God was through faith and through the Word. Interesting. So he would say, you know, I don't know, just keep going. <laughs> I'm just okay. too soon for me to jump in. I'm sorry, right. I tried. tried. Okay. Here's, here's what this meant. One, progress beyond Schleiermacher and no going back behind Schleiermacher. So in other words, it was not a return to something that Schleiermacher made a mistake and we said, oh, we can go back to somebody previous to Schleiermacher. This was, Bart's is a move forward, different from Schleiermacher and different than his predecessors. We now move away from modern anthropocentricity to a new theocentricity. So that is away from a focus on man to the focus on God. 
Hmm. Away from a historical, psychological self-interpretation of the religious person and theology in terms of history and the humanities to God's own word attested to the Bible, to revelation, to the kingdom of God and the action of God. So again, we have this divergence away from the old ways of doing things that had just been, one would say, successful to some degree to a new way of thinking about it. But again, as I said earlier, really a return to Paul. So instead of saying, like, I'm trying to figure out God and through my own lens and through my own experiences, and, and I think some of the other Christian things we talked about said, like, well, if this is, if we can accept this, then then this must be true about God. Like, that's kind of maybe how they formulated their ideas. He is saying God reveals himself to us, and that's the only way we have a re- revelation of God. It's not something we can achieve on our own. That's right. Okay. It is God through revelation, not God through actualization. God through revelation. Okay. So we also move away from religious talk about the concept of God to the proclamation of the word of God. Away from the religious and religious feeling to Christian faith. Away from human religious needs to God who is wholly other manifested in Jesus Christ. So this is important. It is, it is this last linchpin of the move to Jesus Christ, which is the manifestation of God, on which all of Bart's theology hangs. With the greatest of Christological concentration, Bart establishes that for Christians, Jesus Christ is now the Word of God made flesh, the one, the only light of life, alongside which there are no other lights, nor can there be. No other words of God, no other revelation. All is in Christ Jesus. And that's why Bart's theology is truly a Christology. That is the study of Christ or the word of Christ rather than a theology, which is a study and talk of God. All knowledge of God is seen in Christ. His, his, his works were entitled The Church Dogmatics, and Bart's Dogmatics is a reworking of Orthodox Christian positions from a perspective of Christ at center. So this is what he does. This is the move. This is what is so special. This is what makes him a great Christian thinker. He's Christian because he's putting Christ at the center. Hmm. And I think it was wonderful when it, I want to reiterate it. There are no other lights. There are no other gods. There are no other options. The only revelation of God himself is in the person of Jesus Christ. Hmm. So how is that different than some of the other ones we've talked about up to this point? You know, Martin Luther, he wasn't, you know, he talked about Jesus, obviously, in some of these other ones. I think what Bart wanted to emphasize was that many people think that they can go about finding God, Right. And that a discussion about God in the broad generic sense is good enough. What Bart wants to emphasize mm. is there's no discussion of God unless you speak about Jesus Christ. Okay. Because he is the revelation of God. Yes. Okay. So that was called, is that called theocentricity? Or is that, that not it, the right that term? Is, no, that's uh, Christocentricity. Christocentricity. Okay. So he put the emphasis on the fact that, you know, you can't basically i guess you could say like, you can't read the old testament without reading the new testament if you really want to understand god everything has to be filtered through the lens of jesus everything goes through you know 
and that's why Jesus would say like you've heard it said this but I tell you this you know and it and the law was fulfilled in Jesus like all of these things are fulfilled our knowledge of God is through Jesus who is God and you know it's a, we're going to talk about Jesus in some of the next ones um so he's it sounds like he's really reining in all of the the debates everything and, and pushing it all through the through the lens of Jesus is that right it's not just y- yes so so yes i would say yes but it's not just the lens of jesus as much as you can't know god unless you know jesus and jesus himself okay. said if you've seen me you've seen the father he right, said right. no man comes into the father but by me and what he's saying is and bart is saying exactly the same thing if i want to know god i must know jesus mm-hmm. because knowing jesus is knowing god now what would you say you know to the other theological thinkers uh, when they say, well, if you know God, you know Jesus, because Jesus was God in the flesh. You know, what's the difference there? I guess that's what I'm trying to get at. The difference is, is that God has revealed himself in Christ Jesus and okay. no one else. So it is it is not that you cannot... I would say that Bart says you have to look at how God has chosen to reveal himself in history. And in choosing to do so, he's done that through... Jesus Christ, the God-Man. Okay. So this is this is Bart's great contribution. He is orthodox, and this is also important. It has taken us almost two thousand years to get back to the orthodox doctrines. <laughs> he did not hitch his wagon to a philosophy of his day. I would not say that he is in the line of Aristotle or Plato or even Heraclitus, though some have argued that that he is that Bart is sort of Neoplatonic. He is a theologian through and through, okay? And this is important. He's not a philosopher. He's not a historian. He's not arguing from a historical critical method. He's not arguing from a rational science perspective. He's not arguing from a, you know, some sort of like mm. Popperian view of falsification. He's not arguing from a series of an apologetic point of view. He's simply stating that which was from the beginning and is the proclamation of the word of God himself. Jesus okay. Christ, behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Gotcha. So he's not out here to debate the the existence of God. It's like you're, you're either on the God train or not, and if you are, let's talk about what that means. That's right, exactly. Gotcha. And and God reveals Himself in Jesus Christ, and therefore has revealed Himself to all mankind already. Mm, okay. So Bart also, which is interestingly enough, also rejected natural theology. He wrote a treatise on this said subject against against his good friend Emil Brunner, entitled in the German Nein, or No. For Bart, what natural theology does is not salvific. It cannot lead one to God. Only an engagement with Jesus Christ can show you God. So what is natural theology? So natural theology is like, oh, I look up at the stars and the heavens above and I see the beautiful sky. Mm. I see it's the designer thing. The world is orchestrated. It's planned. It has laws and it's operating. There must be a great designer. That great designer must be God. Natural theology is the things that are natural around us kind of indicate that there is a God. And there is some allusions to that in Mm -hmm. the Psalms. You know, I look into the heavens and I see God, right, so to speak. But what what Bart says is that doesn't lead you to salvation. It leads you to maybe consider or think about God, but it does not lead you to the salvation that comes from knowing Jesus Christ. And I think that makes that's such a big distinction because, you know, to say like I naturally just kind of came to believe in God because it, you know, I 
didn't like the other theories. I didn't like thinking that I'm not going to see my dog and my grandma in heaven or you know something like yeah. that. This is I think kind of goes in line with what Jesus says like I'm I'm a stumbling block. You know I came to bring a sword like not peace, and that's the crux of of believing in Christ. It can't just be you casually think like I guess he's the best option out of all these options. It's like no, we're talking about death to life. We're talking about a brand new spiritual life. You know in Christ and. Um, sounds like that's kind of what he's getting at. It can't just be you just stumbled into this. It's a it's a full on right. transformation. That's right. The heavens above can declare the glory of God, but they cannot lead you to Jesus Christ and salvation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, All that's right. good. Yeah. Philosophically, though, Bart was influenced by the great Danish philosopher Søren Kierkegaard, whose existential questions pointed to a salvation in Christ. So Kierkegaard did have a huge influence on Bart. He had a huge influence on many people, <laughs> but he also influenced yeah. Bart in the in the way that he asked his questions about where we stand before God. So I would say that he's influenced, um, that, that Bart was influenced by Kierkegaard. In fact, uh, Dr. Mangina asked me at one point, because I was writing my master's thesis on Kierkegaard, and he asked me about that in particular. So what do you think? Do you think that Bart was influenced by Kierkegaard? I said, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, and it's a common theme in some of the uh, academic papers that you read. Um, Bart also saw that the biblical texts, not just as mere documents to be, be to be viewed philologically and historically, that is to look at them through their words and through their history, rather they make an encounter with the holy other possible. And that's a term, quote, holy other, that Bart uses all the time to describe how different God is from us. I think, pause, uh, that's spelled W-H-O-L-L-Y. Correct. Yeah, gotcha. There you go. All you people taking notes, go ahead and scratch right. out. You wrote you wrote the wrong holy, didn't you? I know you guys. <laughs> these are utterly, he said, these are utterly human testimonies of the Bible, concerned with God's word, Jesus, which men and women can know, acknowledge, and confess. Kung says of Bart, said it this way of Bart's view on the impact of the word of God. Men and women are thus called to be more than neutral contemplation and interpretation. Their penitence, faith, and conversion is required. A faith which always remains a venture. Human salvation and damnation are at stake here. The word is God's expression and is thus completely trustworthy. The church dogmatics that Bart wrote, all 10,000 pages plus, and the preaching must be centered on God's expression of himself in Jesus Christ. He is not just a good man or an example, though he is those things. He is the decisive criterion for all talk about God and human beings. He is fully God and he's fully man. So there we have it. Karl Barth restructuring, taking us back to the beginning, to the orthodox way of thinking about Jesus Christ as the central figure in human history. What more do we want? So thanks to Carl. Can you point to, you know, modern messages or or natural or um, common things that we believe in the American church, at least, uh, that you could be like, oh, that's that a Bart influence there? Well, I think... You know, sort of culturally, when you hear the thing like, uh, what would Jesus do? Mm-hmm. 
I think that is an expression of maybe sort of like a Barthian approach to thinking about Christ as center, Christ mm. as the one. He's the criterion for how I make my judgments. So I think that would be, I know it sounds kind of silly in a way, but I think that that's the impact. Bart actually, you know, we have to go back and think about, you know, Bart's writing and, you know, the, you know, the, the 20s, the 30s, the 40s, the 50s and 60s. Mm. Um, uh, but he is moving us away from Schleiermacher's talk about God as the ultimate being upon who we, you know, have this feeling and utter dependence upon to a very specific expression of God himself in the person of Jesus Christ. So his movement is, is not so much um, in terms of generating the, the modern evangelical church, more so it helps us to, he has helped us to move away from the generic deistic view of God and move him to the Christocentric view of God. Mm. I do think that, you know, the modern church, and I've met many people from the modern evangelical church who I've talked to about this, um, they don't realize it, but Bart has influenced them of thinking more orthodox in their approach. The church was moving towards a liberal, a liberal Lism, so to speak, in terms of you know the devaluing of Christ and His work, the historicizing of all the the events or the lack hmm. of historicizing, it was moving in that general direction, away from a belief in God that you know, and away from uh, and and more of a belief that these were like you know myths and that this was as a great interesting stories so that God really just sent Jesus to kind of get show us how to be good and so forth. But Bart hmm. recaptured us and said, "Hey, no, no, Jesus is more than just." a good man, a moral teacher. He is the expression and the only expression, and this is critical, the only expression of God himself. So if I'm remembering right, Schleiermacher kind of helped to point us in the direction of um, bringing God a little bit closer than I think than maybe he had been perceived before. Is that right? Yes. I think what, what... So if we go back to Schleiermacher, what he helped us to capture was the fact that our understanding of God was not just simply the philosophic acknowledgement that there had to be a designer, a creator, etc., that mm -hmm. there was a reason to believe in God in terms of our logical, rational thought process. What Schleiermacher That's did right. was also bring about the fact that we experience God, mm -hmm. this deep experience, what he called this deep dependence upon the ultimate being of reality. So, so yes, yeah, so I think he brought an experiential aspect and and we need that i think that that's how we're we're as human beings if we're constituted in a spirit with a spirit as well as a body then we need to think about the fact that both need to be satisfied so but schleiermacher was already building on what had previously been there which is the philosophy of kant uh you know the the, the works of hegel um he was there um building on what was previously done and moving us in a particular, and kind of reshaping us and shifting us. But what Bart does is he drops that and says, no, 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 we need to go back to the beginning and take a look at this again. Hmm. Interesting. So he he doesn't seem to build off of um, Schleiermacher's, maybe he builds off some, some, some aspects of it. Um, God's closer, but it's all through Jesus. So like you said, I think you said it well, that he, we basically go back to Paul. Um, and it's kind of funny how it, you know, it, it makes sense, like, when Jesus walked the earth and God was a man, you know, here it's like he was extremely close and we went way distant from him, which was the opposite thing <laughs> we're supposed to do. But, you know, if you walk through Europe and you go through a bunch of cathedrals and even in the States too, but there's just this, um, 
there's this distant feeling and, and like they're beautiful and i think they're made in some ways to be beautiful like to remind you of god's greatness or whatever but you feel like this separateness from god you know and uh i can see how it'd be easy to think god is like distant from man you know especially most of human humanity's been suffering and pain and you know it's been pretty good for the last you know 30 years <laughs> or something you know <laughs> whenever we got computers but um you know but i, I kind of get that so he it seems like he though was taking us back to like no god is with us and, and through jesus and through his his work and his um presence with us god is not this distant far off thing and this person and there's this um unique relationship that we get to have and that we get to share his life um I think I'm rambling now, but does that sound right? Kind of help to break yeah. ground, so, break some ground so, here. So God is simultaneously holy other. He's very different than us. He's mm-hmm. We are not like him. He's not just my buddy or my friend, as some right. many of our modern songs like to think that's all he is. He is God, and he's fundamentally different than us. We are made in his image, and we have some aspects of him that way. Um, and, and, and he loves us, and he cares for us. But the expression of God that we can understand the one that we can fully grasp and come to grips with is expressed in the person of Jesus Christ. He is the fullness of the Godhead. Mm. In him, it dwells bodily. And because it dwells in him bodily, that's who we experience, that's who we know, that's who we understand. And I think Bart is 100% correct. Um, I am fully on board with the Barthian theology. It's interesting, actually. Most of the people who study Bart these days have come out from what are called evangelical churches now because they like him because he kind of agrees with what they already believe. <laughs> um, but he went through and worked it out himself. Remember, he did come out from that very liberal stream of theology and he found it wanting um and therefore um his efforts um led in a totally different direction now as we wrap all this up uh who's your favorite of the the seven great christian thinkers i'd have to say i never would have said this years ago um it's it's very close between i would say augustine and bart Hmm. bart because he brought us back Augustine because he was such a vast thinker. Now, on the on the flip side, I know Augustine has done more than just simply his Christian thinking. He's a tremendous and great, one of the greatest philosophers of our time in human history. Um, so yeah, I have tremendous respect for him. But I think the greatest Christian thinker would have to be, uh, would I would stick with Bart. You're wrong. It's, the answer is Paul, because he wrote part of the Bible. <laughs> so way to miss the mark there. Uh, no, I, I hope you all have enjoyed this uh, discussion. And there's actually a book that uh, this is modeled after, and you might not guess the name of it, but it's called Great Christian Thinkers, or Seven Great Christian Thinkers. Um, and uh, that's where you can learn a lot more about all of these folks. Um, I think on our coming podcast, we're going to build off of a lot of what we discussed throughout these this series, uh, specifically Barth, probably. Uh, and we're going to the, the goal is to do a, a two to three part series on Jesus um, and not just, you know, his history and who he was and that kind of stuff that that's really been done, but get into the weeds of and, and full disclosure and be speaking candidly. I don't know if sometimes I can explain what I believe. I just like, Oh yeah, Jesus is God, but he's, you know, but like, so you're going to, if, if this was on video, you'd watch me sweat a lot as we get through this stuff, but really <laughs> it's all so we can learn and, and to have an understanding of what it is we believe. Why is it, why do we believe it? Um, give you some grounding, not to go 
take on all the atheists and put them in their place, but so that you know that, and, and finally, so that you know that God loves you and that you are important and that you have a place and that you have a calling and a purpose in this world. Um, and that's really, you know, why we need to know what it is we believe, not so we can be better arguers. Um, but I've just learned so much in the last couple of years here. And the more I'm learning the right, the truth things, it's making me just feel so much more connected to God and, um, forgiving of myself and like, and just free. It's a really wonderful thing. So that's why we're doing this. Um, and so I'm, I'm looking forward to the Jesus uh, podcast coming up, hopefully in the next few weeks here. All right. You got anything close us with Lindley? No, I think it's all about Jesus. And, um, you know, the old Sunday school answer, if you don't know it, just say Jesus and you'll probably be right. So yeah, I'll stick with go. that. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, everybody. Thank you.